Welcome to Constructed Curiosity, a podcast that aims to expand your horizons and promote personal growth by exploring various topics and having conversations with extraordinary people. I'm your host, Casey Sprague. Thank you for joining me, and let's start the show. Hello, today I'm joined by John Arita Claymeyer, who is the president and CEO of the Colorado Springs Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Corporation. John, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? You know, I imagine the weather's pretty similar in both places, kind of dreary this time of year, I'd assume, so not great over here. What about you? Well, actually in Colorado, it might be cold, but we're so close to the sun, it's usually out. So uh, I have to admit, it's a, it's a gorgeous Chamber of Commerce day with blue skies and uh, a couple inches of snow, so not bad. <laughs> and my dad lived in Colorado for a short time when he was younger. That's what he said, going to a restaurant, it'd be 60 degrees and sunny, you'd come out a while later and have a few inches of snow, and would be in the 20s. If you don't like the weather, just wait an hour here. That is for sure. <laughs> So, John, thank you for joining me today. And, you know, we really want to hear more about your story. I know the audience is going to be very intrigued. You've had a very interesting career progression. But let's start at the beginning. Where, what were you like as a kid? What was your childhood like? Oh, wow. Uh, we probably need a few hours for that and maybe, maybe <laughs> a little bourbon. Um, you know, I grew up in a very small town in Tennessee. Uh, my uh, parents were both uh, working middle class. My father was a police officer. My mother was a school teacher. Uh, so knew the value of hard work and the importance of a good education. Um, but, you know, it wasn't always easy. Uh, there weren't a lot of opportunities. I never saw a female that was in a professional role other than a teacher or a nurse the entire time I was growing up. So uh, I, I would just say that times have changed for the better in that regard. Uh, I knew that I wanted a better life than what I had experienced growing up and, uh, and opportunities, um, the opportunity to make a difference and the opportunity to have choices in my life. So, uh, you know, worked hard, uh, have went to school, uh, made things happen. And uh, I guess the rest is history. I've been in and out of the public sector, the private sector, uh, working in government affairs, economic development, community relations uh, for most of my career. I, I did make some short stints and trying to, to go into private business, but at the end of the day, I'm not good at widgets. I need to be in an organization that's making a difference in their community, uh, in the lives of others. And um, and thankfully that, that path's been found for me. So as a, you know, a younger person growing up, who are some of the most influential people other than your parents? Yeah, probably everyone says that uh, with their parents, maybe some for good or bad. But, uh, you know, I, I would say just like anyone, uh, teachers, very important, coaches, very important. Uh, I probably one of the most influential was a professor at University of Memphis uh, who said in class, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. And that's been that's been close to that's been over 30 years ago now that she said that to me and, and said that to our class. Um, and that has stuck with me because life's about choices and, and about timing. And I do believe you can have everything you want in your life if you work hard and go after it, but there are sacrifices that have to be made. So it can be, it can be tough to run a company if you're also, um, 
you know, ra raising a family and they're, they're young. So there are choices and trade-offs in anything we do. So uh, I would say teachers just make such a difference uh, as your mind and your decisions are growing. And I mean, that's, you know, just reminds me of stuff I heard from some of my college professors and it's not really the course content that sticks with you, it's the life lessons. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's at such a formative time in your life. Uh, so, wow, just a couple of things that can be said to you. You know, I'll tell you a funny, Casey, when um, another professor, as you can tell, I have a bit of a Southern accent, uh, even though I've lived all over, I never lost the Southern accent. And I had a professor in a speech class in college. Uh, they knew that I wanted to be a news commentator. That had always been my dream growing up. I wanted to be the next Barbara Walters. And the, the speech uh, teacher said to me, after I finished my presentation, you know, with an accent like yours, you'll never do anything like that. Wow. Like that, that actually took me out of the degree I was in. I mean, just, just crushed a spirit in so many ways. Now it's all worked out. I, I found a good path, uh, but you know, it really is important what you say to people as they're growing and developing their career can, it can really change your trajectory. No, absolutely. And I mean, never lose the Southern accent to me. I always, it's who you are, authentic. That's one of the things I like to talk about in my, my short podcast on Monday is one of the last topics is also authenticity. You can't be someone you're not. So the accent to me, it just shows who you are. And this is part of your personality. I, I wouldn't lose it for anything now. It makes me me. So there we go. So as you're in University of Memphis, what other great experiences did you have? Oh, wow. Uh, talk about a country girl had come to town. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a community with less than 8,000 people and then moved to Memphis. So I think it opened my eyes of what opportunities there were for for anyone, but especially for, for women, uh, because going to a larger city, uh, the freedom to make choices and, and mistakes uh, was was fantastic and, and also a lot of life lessons. Uh, I grew up in a very sheltered home. Uh, as I said, when your father's a police officer and your mother's a teacher, you don't get away with much. Uh, so, you know, so, so moving to the city uh, just opened a lot of doors and a opened my eyes to a lot of things. So I wouldn't take anything from, from that experience. Uh, and and it, it really set me on a trajectory for the rest of my life that if you if you work hard, if you're willing to sacrifice, you can do whatever you want in life. So once you got out of college, what was your next opportunity that you got to take? Uh, um, so I actually did have the opportunity to go into Chamber of Commerce work uh, and economic development very early in my career. Uh, I worked for a politician for a short time and realized very quickly your thing about authenticity. Uh, I, I, that is not my favorite part of, of, uh, of my job because I want to get things done uh, and the politics of things can be tough. So, uh, so I moved into Chamber of Commerce work in Tennessee. Uh, I was there. I was one of the youngest Chamber of Commerce executives uh, in the country at that time, at, at 23 years old. And now I look back and I just laugh at what I didn't know. Um, but I think with tenacity and your willingness to learn and you surround yourself with the right people, 
uh, you you can you can truly make a difference early in your career. And I took every opportunity that came along. Um, I worked my way through several organizations in Tennessee and then ultimately ended up in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and uh, it it really set my career in a new direction because I got my MBA while I was there. I'm a lifelong learner and um, it's uh, it's 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 been a great experience. Yeah, just leapfrog Kentucky there, Tennessee to Ohio. <laughs> yes, and anyone who knows Cincinnati, it's right on the uh, Kentucky-Ohio-Indiana border. So I uh, I led economic development for that tri-state region, 15 counties, uh, for almost five years with an organization called Ready Cincinnati. And uh, it, was, it was an awesome experience in a community that really embraces growth, jobs, capital investment. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I, I was very blessed to get to do that. So I know from our conversations previously, you're big into leadership. You really like to inspire people, help people out. Taking over a huge job like that at such a young age, I know that there had to be some setbacks and failures that you encountered early on that really probably set a good foundation for you. Would you mind sharing some of those? Uh, so I would say in lessons learned, Casey, the first thing is that your job is not just a career ladder. If you're constantly thinking of how I'm just going to move up in title, position, salary, uh, you may miss some really important experiences. My career has been more of a lattice work. I've taken jobs that were lateral moves, even some that might be considered a demotion in, uh, in title because I'm going to get new experiences. I was going to meet new people. Uh, Every job I've had has helped me somewhere along the line in my career that I just, I never knew that it would, but it, it, it has. So I would tell your listeners, be open to experiences, be open to new opportunities and be okay if it doesn't fit what society thinks you should be doing, that you should always go from an associate to a manager, to a director, to a vice president, to the president. Do what makes you really happy and, and is challenging you while you're learning. Uh, that's been helpful for me and, it, and it's ultimately led to leading organizations. You gotta find something you enjoy. That's a great insight, but be willing to learn. I think you hit the nail right there on the head where the society now is you have to be number one. You have to you know keep going up and up and up. And if you're not, you're not successful. So that's a, that's a fantastic point that, you know, it's not just a, a one size fits all journey. You got to be able to look at where you really want to go. And if there's different paths to get there. There's not just one click route. Yeah. And who's to say what your definition is of success? Uh, I think often we let others define that for us. And unfortunately, uh, it can fall into these societal pressures of it has to be money or power or influence. And that just may not be wh where you are in your value system at that time in your career. And that's okay. Um, you have to have confidence in yourself and what's important. And as long as you're sticking with your values, I do think the rest will fall into place. Um, and, and that's, that's what I've tried to do throughout my career. And when I've not done that, I've usually regretted the move I've made or the mistake I've made. It just didn't feel like you, right? <laughs> and that's something that's just so important that they don't teach enough. I feel like with the younger generation as they're coming up, they're really pushing these ideals of, you know, whether it's get this type of education, get this type of career coming out of college, 
And if that's not you, if that's not what's going to fit your personality and make you successful, you probably shouldn't go down that path. So I mean, that's just my thoughts. So on that, a question for you, a random one to pull out on you then. If you were talking to, you know, younger students and, you know, younger people, which I know you do in your position at different times, what kind of message do you present to them? Well, uh, first and foremost, um, I don't mean to be harsh, but I don't know how else to say this. I'm a pretty direct person. Um, I don't really feel that anyone owes me anything. Uh, I work really hard and they pay me and that's our agreement. And I feel like sometimes, um, I don't want to stereotype, but younger people, people, so so maybe people that just haven't been in the job market as long, uh, feel that as the employer that we're supposed to set up all of these these extra things to make the employee comfortable and and uh, and I do believe in employee employee morale and and finding ways for team building. I definitely want to empower my employees. I want to give them great opportunities to learn and grow and to shine uh, and further their education, their skills. But I would just say, if you go into things thinking your company owes you or your boss owes you, you're probably, you're probably not going to have that attitude of what is ultimately a servant leader to do right by others. Uh, to to help others grow, uh, to put your employees out in front of uh, of successes, and that's what a true leader is. And you have to grow into that. And I would just tell employees: um, be open to new opportunities. Be open to taking on extra responsibilities because by doing that, you're showing your tenacity, your commitment. I'm not saying being taken advantage of, but if so, if someone wants to give you a stretch opportunity and it's an addition to your regular responsibilities, um, go for it. Show show your value, and then I know that I have been rewarded for that through the years because I've been dependable. I've been willing to take chances. I've been flexible. I've learned from those opportunities and then I've gained more responsibility. So that's one thing I tell young people today. Uh, then I do follow what Dr. Webb said from the University of Memphis that you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time uh, because I, I do think this is another one of those societal pressures that uh, especially for a female, Casey, you're supposed to be, you know, the superb uh, employee at work, you're supposed to be a super mom, a super partner or, or wife or spouse. Uh, you're supposed to be gorgeous. You're supposed to do it all uh, and be sure that you work out every day. So it just the amount of pressure that you have to do it all at the same time can be overwhelming for your mental health. Uh, so I would just encourage that. Where do we give ourselves some grace? No, absolutely. And that was actually a question I was going to bring up later. I know you're a big advocate for, you know, women in the workplace and being, you know, the progress of women. So the question there, and I have three daughters, so you know, this is a big important thing to me as well. But what do women need to continue to do? And like you just talked a little bit on what society needs to, you know, understand that there's only so many or so much effort that you can put into everything. And it's not one person's responsibility to be the best at everything. Yeah, well, I'd never want to act like I speak on behalf of all women uh, because we're all different and unique, just as I'm sure you wouldn't want to say you represent all men. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would just say every time I talk with, uh, with, a, with a father of daughters, uh, I'm often told 
just how much their mindset has changed of the importance of, uh, of equity and giving people a chance uh, to have the same opportunities that we all want in life. Um, I would say as a female, one thing that I, I tell younger females, um, never ever expect something just because you're a female. Uh, I don't think that that helps us gain any respect, but we just want the door opened. We just want the chair pulled up to the table to have the opportunity to try for uh, the same roles to uh, have the same responsibilities. And then we need to earn it just like anyone else would. Uh, I That's the way that I've always approached my work. I just want the same opportunities and then I promise I will deliver. Uh, but but it can be tough if you lead with your gender. Yeah, you're probably on the same line of thinking as me. It's just, I want this world to get to a place where society, the job goes to the best qualified. The person that can do the best no matter any of you know their different demographics. It's just who's the right person to fit the position. If they're the most talented, the most qualified, does it matter anything else, or is that the only thing that really needs to be focused on? Well, I hope we get there one day, Casey. That that would be wonderful. But whether we admit it or not, we all have our own uh, built-in bias or unconscious bias, and just knowing that I think helps us make better decisions. Um, and especially when you have when you have young daughters, it makes you think about it. No, absolutely. And I'm, so I'm going to shift a little bit here to another surprise topic. It's not going to be too rough. It's something you know a lot about. But in your kind of position, I assume it takes a lot of emotional intelligence. And at what point in your life did that really become a big factor for you? Oh, well, I think um, EQ is as important as IQ in everything that we do. I, but I do think as you get older, uh, I know for me, I've developed those skills much more. Um, sometimes I laugh and say, I must just be tired because my mouth, I don't open my mouth as much as I used to, uh, to, to make a point on everything. Uh, and, and that is about ensuring that, um, that, that emotional intelligence is just a key part of, of any negotiation, of any decision-making of, uh, yes, we bring the whole person to work, but there's a time and a place for everything. So uh, I can't stress that enough that uh, we, have to, we have to consider both the EQ as much as the IQ uh, in, any, in any circumstance, because you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you can't communicate your point, if you can't find a way to yes with those around you that may not be completely what you want but but we're getting we're getting to a uh, a place to yes for the organization um that takes that takes that emotional stamina and that emotional iq that's so important no very well said this i'm a huge emotional intelligence person that's one of the big areas i always love the one so we've talked on emotional intelligence is a critical skill for people to have you know, the eagerness and desire to continue to, you know, do everything you can. And I guess the, what else are some of the big skills? Those are the biggest things we've talked about so far as far as someone going into the workforce. What other skills do you look for and do you think are important for people to have? Oh, um, well, there, to me, there are skills and then there are values. You have to have the skill to do your job. You have to be a, 
uh, either a subject matter expert, you have to, to know your craft, and I think you can gain that. Those are teachable items, skills, uh, through years of, of honing uh, th those through your, throughout your career. But your values are, are your guiding principles. Uh, and those are what I would say, you want to be certain that you're not sacrificing. So, you know, for, for us, at, in our organization, and, and it's so important to us, you can see it over my shoulder, we, we keep these posted everywhere in our office. So we're living those values daily. And each of our employees know that they can call me out, they can call each other out. Uh, there's the what we do, and those are our numbers and, and, our, and our accountability metrics. But then there's the why, and the why are about those values. So uh, integrity, speaks volumes that trustworthiness being sure that uh we're we're trustworthy and dependable having a commitment to our purpose to uh to our goals is integral for our success uh but we also have a value of inclusivity of being sure that we are as you and i just talked about pulling up that chair to the table uh, of people that maybe didn't always have a seat at the table, uh, making sure that we're hearing their voice and including them in decision-making. And whether that be uh, women or uh, black, indigenous people of color, uh, LBGTQ plus, it, it doesn't matter. It's ensuring that we're bringing everyone uh, to the table. And that hasn't, that hasn't always been a value uh, I would say throughout my career that that I have seen or myself even known to think about. Um, so those are just some of the examples of things that that I would encourage your listeners. They they need to decide what what are their key values that no matter what they're not going to sacrifice. Um, and if you keep those guiding principles, those guiding values, then the skills can be taught. You can learn, you can learn your craft and pivot throughout your career. But if you're not, if you're not trustworthy, if you don't have high integrity, uh, th these are just a couple of mine, then, then I don't know what you have. You're, you're really a rudder, rudderless boat or ship. Well, that is, that's a great way to sum it up. And it sounds like you guys definitely don't have any cognitive dissonance within your organization. You have a good why and what to work well together. Yeah, I'm very passionate about that. We use a program called the Entrepreneurial Operating System by Gina Wickman. And I believe people need to know what success is. They need to know what success measures are. They need to know what they're being measured on. They need to know what they're accountable to. Um, because how else How else do people buy into your mission and your goals? Uh, and, and we're all a part of that. And, and that's everything from the finances to our values to our purpose to one year, three year, 10 year goals. So uh, I, I, I do believe in a good system and a good plan, but at the end of the day, um, a strategy is one thing, but action is is what's measured, so. That actually makes me think of something you can go into for us a little bit. I know, and we've worked together previously, you were big on the rocks, sand, and water. If you'd like to elaborate on that a little bit. Oh, I'm so glad some of my some of my things rubbed off. Um, I I would just I would just say, and again, this is this is I've learned this through other systems, but I think so often uh, people measure success or progress through activity, 
And I like to say we're measuring outcomes. We're not measuring activity. So what do I mean when I say that? You can be so busy in your day just returning emails, just returning phone calls, um, just what's the crisis of the day. And, and so there's an analogy that's used of, you know, if, if you had a cylinder and you could fill it full of water, sand and rocks. So if, if you needed to put all three in there, what goes first? Well, the moral of the story is you want to put the rocks, the big, heavy, important things in your cylinder first, because the sand and the water will sift through. It will either it'll either disintegrate and go away or it, it'll just it'll just melt in the cracks. Um, but what the big, important things are, are, those rocks. And I would say that's your your goals for for the week, for 90 days, for the year, uh, keeping focused on that. And and then ultimately you'll fill in with things like emails and phone calls or or they'll just go away because you're busy working on those big important things. So when it comes to planning, how far out do you plan for your organization and how far out do you plan personally? Yeah, for our organization, uh, we have concrete three-year goals and metrics. Uh, but we're measured against our year goals. They're they're highly measurable. We use the SMART system on specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-based. Uh, and then we have department goals and individual goals uh, and for the year. And we're measured and rewarded accordingly against that. Uh, and, and we do that planning once a quarter and then, and then yearly. So again, no one's surprised on what the achievements are, the outcomes, and, and ultimately, what their rewards are for success. Uh, personally, uh, I'd like to say I'm fantastic at following these same systems in my personal life, uh, but I would tell you that I'm my day job is my passion. And if I didn't love it, I wouldn't be doing it. So much of my day job filters into my personal life because of the job I have. I, uh, run the second largest chamber of commerce and economic development corp in the state of Colorado. And, um, you know, my, my nights are, are filled with work as much as my day. And I'm not complaining. I, I love this work. So I would say as far as planning, uh, I keep a very robust calendar. I do block time off for self. Uh, I block time off for strategic planning and thinking uh, because if not, and I block time all, out for workouts and for my devotion uh, because it would I wouldn't find the time otherwise. So I would tell you that I'm a slave to my calendar, but I make sure my calendar fits uh, my lifestyle and, and blocks time for for things that are personal too. So having the balance, that's always what it comes back to, and it's great that you're. What you do is something that you love. That makes it a great experience because you're not having to sacrifice what you love to make money. You're able to incorporate that in completely. And yeah, finding balance can be difficult for a lot of people, but it seems like you have a really great system to get that accomplished. Well, uh, I think this falls under, I've got a few years under my belt, so I've learned from my past. Um, I know I'm not good to anyone, my family, my colleagues, um, my, my volunteers. If, if I'm exhausted, if I'm worn out, I make bad decisions, um, I, I get sick, and that's not helpful to anyone. So I, when you use the word balance, I've heard it as harmony 
lately. People don't talk about balance as much as they talk about harmony in their life. And I like that because it's not saying, okay, if I work five hours, I get five hours of personal playtime. It's saying that, you know, if I have a real surge one week, I'm going to make sure I make time for myself uh, in the following week. So it's not saying it's always a balance, but it is saying that, you know, if you have one really hard day, maybe you take a couple of hours to refresh the next. Um, and that, that I think is the kindness we all deserve. And at the end of the day, um, just remembering what's important to us. Uh, when you take that last breath, I've, I've, I want to be sure that I don't have any regrets and spending time with family and doing some personal things. Uh, they do make a difference. They make me a better person at work. And I can't be stuck in just one way of thinking you're going to miss out, but it causes that. The dissonance within your own self, though, you're not living who you want to be and as you want to live. So I guess another question for you would be then you have to make a lot of decisions. You kind of hit it on that, you know, if you're, if you're not where you, who you need to be, you don't have the harmony, which I'm going to keep that. I like that concept. It's a little, it makes it a little bit easier to understand the analogy than balance does. But if you don't have that harmony, you're not going to make great decisions. But when it comes down to it, what is your process for making decisions? Because I know there's a lot of big important things that come across your desk and you've had tough decisions over the years. So what do you do? Yeah. Um, so I try not to make a decision at the, at the moment. Uh, because usually if there's something that's that's uh, that's a crisis, that's a, a big decision, the work that we do at the chamber and EDC is so public. People people see everything we're doing from an outward lens, but may not understand everything behind the scenes. So I would just encourage your listeners that uh, if you can take time to walk away from a situation and and take a breath and make sure that you're not you're not making an emotional decision but a rational decision with well thought out consequences i find that i usually make better decisions uh, but that's not always the case and sometimes we have to be decisive and uh you know i casey i see behind you a, a lot of commitment to the military we have five military bases here in colorado springs so i'm constantly around people that are making life and death decisions in their day job i mean truly life and death decisions so i do know the importance of needing to to move quickly and i would just say that's the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people doing the most planning you possibly can so that those split second decisions are few and far between so that you've you've got a plan a and a plan b uh, and i i pride myself on that occurring and then lastly i try to get input from those around me and those i trust so that it's not just uh my viewpoint I usually make better decisions if I if I gain others' input from the team. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'll own the decision. I I cannot stand when somebody is wishy-washy and then they make a decision, but then everyone else is to blame if something doesn't go right. I think the sign of a good leader is you own your decision, whether later it's right or wrong, and we move forward uh, and, and we'll execute against that one way or the other. Uh, I, I think that that's important also for respect from your team. So, I think a couple of my favorite quotes and lessons I learned throughout my military career. So, 
The quote that made me think of is from an, an older movie now, Zulu, but you know, when you're in command, you're on your own. You can take everybody's opinions and you know, get all the information, but you own that decision at the end of the day. So that's critical for young leaders to know and understand. And then we talked about taking a break. We used to call that tactical patience in the military. So you want to make a decision, but you're going to step back for a moment and think about it. And then the thing, my probably favorite lesson that I learned over the years, never go into a meeting without a cup of coffee or a bottle of water because if someone hits you with something you're not ready for, take a drink. Give yourself that second oh, to know. That is a good one. I'm going to use that. Thank you. And I like tactical patience. You said that much more eloquent than me. I'm going to remember that too. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was not original. I had to pick that up from a lot of people a lot smarter than I am. Well, you know what? I... I think that that's just smart of you. We, we're supposed to be learning from people around us every day. So we're going kind of to the end here. So I'm going to hit you with a few more random questions and open it up to where you can cover any topic that you'd like to put out there. Okay. A few questions I'd like to ask my guest is, you know, you've probably been to a lot of places. You've talked about some of the different places you've lived or been, but where's somewhere you'd like to go that you haven't? Oh, somewhere I'd like to go that I haven't. Um, my husband and I would like to hike Machu Picchu. Uh, we had planned to do that pre-COVID. I think we all separate our lives pre-COVID, post-COVID now. Uh, so, so, yeah. So we haven't been able to uh, to make that happen yet, but that is definitely on the list. We moved to Colorado about 14 months ago, and so... I'm blessed. I live in the middle of a vacation. And so we do a lot of hiking, playing golf, outdoor activities. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm looking at you and over over your shoulder is Pikes Peak with uh, snow caps. So I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I don't have to go far to see amazing beauty and nature. And uh, that brings me peace. So have you climbed Pikes Peak yet? Uh, I've not climbed it. I've, I've gone up three or four different ways, uh, but that's on the list this next year. Uh, you know, we're, we're uh, about, we're about 6,300 uh, feet above uh, sea level in Colorado Springs. And of course, Pikes Peak is a little over 14,000. So it is not for the faint at heart. Uh, even if you're in great shape, your lungs have to get used to it here first. So, uh, I've been here a little over a year, so it's time. I, I will be going up this summer. That'd be nice. I want, so is it, they actually have areas that you can really climb. So I know I, I climbed Mount Fuji in Japan, but it's nice trails that you can walk up and there's a few places that are difficult. But, so you're gonna do the rugged climbing, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it is, it is, there are parts that are very nice going up Pikes Peak, but that is that is not a nature walk. That is that is a real hike. So, uh, and and with multiple elements with the weather as you go up. So, uh, people come here. This is Olympic City, USA. So Olympic athletes come here, and and we're in the the Olympic Olympics and Paralympics are headquartered in Colorado Springs. They come here to train because of the high altitude. Uh, it helps them with their with their training. So little little tidbit there. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, this is an amazing place for you. No, it sounds like it. I mean, I'm not a cold person, but it's still on my list of places to go. Um, well, uh, I'm not I'm not a humidity person anymore. So it's pretty awesome here. We have no mosquitoes and no humidity, so everyone's got their thing. <laughs> Yes, and then the one time I lived in elevation, that was my favorite part is there's no mosquitoes once you get above like 5,000 feet. 
No, no, there's not. It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing coming from really hot Mississippi Delta in Tennessee and then being in Cincinnati, Ohio, they have bugs. So okay. yes. <laughs> so where are you trying to go in the next five to 10 years? What are some of the goals that you want to accomplish? Oh, well, our organization, uh, we have a we have a lot of goals because this community is one of the fastest growing communities in the country. Uh, people have have flocked to Colorado for the lifestyle and Colorado Springs is, again, just a, a really beautiful place. Uh, so as this place grows, there's a lot of growing pains. So we have a lot of goals around affordable and attainable housing. Uh, I want to be a community for all, and I want to be sure that my kids have a place to live here in the future. So we don't want to be a community for a few, that only a few can live here. So working on things around housing, um, I'm very, I'm a capitalist, I'm pro-business. We want to be sure there's good regulation. So there's a lot of of government affairs issues that we're tackling in the next few years. Um, in addition, we wanna be competitive with other places in the country when it comes to uh, good economic development sites, our utilities, our infrastructure, uh, our incentives. I'm gonna geek out on you here because that's, that's what we do in our day job. Uh, but at the end of the day, the why is because uh, we want a thriving community that has a diverse tax base and is a place that everyone's welcome. And that is how I feel. I love to drive down the road and know that we made a difference for that company or that business, that they're able to thrive because of the work we did. That gets my heart pumping every day. I want to make a difference. Um, so that's in my, in my professional life. Uh, in my personal life, I'd like to continue to work on some of that harmony you and I talked about. Uh, I've had a I've had a long career and uh, and have just been blessed beyond belief. But I knew from an early age if I wanted to have what my definition of success was, if I wanted opportunity, I was going to have to work really hard, Casey, because I'm not the smartest person in the room. But man, I knew I could make it where no one would ever outwork me. And, um, and I have stuck with that now for close to 30 years. And uh, I would like to find a little more harmony and hike a couple more of the big trails here. So uh, those, are, those are some personal goals of mine. I wanna try snowshoeing. Uh, I, I want to try cross country skiing because I think you're never too old to learn and you have to constantly try new things. So uh, my husband and I love to travel. It's a big world out there. I think we all would be a little nicer to each other if we met people from other cultures more. And I want to get back on that track now that um, hopefully we are completely out of the pandemic. So those are some personal goals and some professional goals. Um, but I'm pretty darn blessed. My life is uh, is pretty good. Those are some wonderful goals. And it made me think of a quote that one of my former bosses gave me where you just talked about the, the traveling. The way you end discrimination, racism, any kind of the isms, you get to travel. You get to see people and understand who they are. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, growing up, I our our biggest vacation was going camping. It just it 
was what it was. That that was that was what my family could afford to do. Uh, but in college, I did a study abroad trip, and boy, I gained wanderlust because it, there's so many cultures out there. There's so many different opinions, and when you can break bread with somebody, or maybe even have a little glass of vino, I think that we all can can learn from each other. And I know that's helped me in so many ways to better understand people, uh, culture, and and put myself in their shoes in any situation or negotiation. I think it makes us kinder people. Oh, absolutely. So my last question for you, this is one, I mean, I guess I'll say it's a little bit deep or profound. I try to make you think on this. And, you know, there's different ages in your life that are going to have, you know, feelings and emotions, and they're usually different for everyone, you know. But a time that I think I figured out that hits most people and is very influential is about 14. You're going out of junior high or middle school into high school, and life really starts to change. So if you could go back and talk to your 14-year-old self, what would you say? Oh, um, wow, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say love yourself, because if you don't love yourself, why should anyone else? Um, as a 14-year-old girl, I don't know if this is typical for boys, but I know it is for young girls. You're trying to find yourself. You're trying to get your footing, and uh, your self-esteem is in total disarray. So I, I would tell myself to just take a deep breath and... Um, and know that God made you exactly the way you're supposed to be. That is fantastic advice. Thank you, Casey. So anything else you'd like to touch on, any causes or anything you'd like to push forward? No, I, I think I'm good. I, I'm so flattered that you gave me a call. It's an honor to be with you. Um, I hope maybe I shared either a little wisdom or what not to do. Uh, but I'm an open book and I want people to learn from from my mistakes. So I'm always available on LinkedIn or for a for a phone conversation. Thank you. I appreciate this opportunity to share. Was there anywhere people can follow you at? Uh, yeah, I, you can find me under Jonna Reader Claymire on LinkedIn. You can also visit our website at www.cscedc.com. That's Colorado Springs Chamber Economic Development Corp. I know that's a mouthful, but you can find me through there or anything that we have going on. Uh, I'd, I'd love to connect. All right. Thank you very much, Jonna. Thank you, Casey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Constructive Curiosity. Constructive Curiosity is presented by SFC Consulting. For all your career coaching, project management, and leadership development needs, SFC Consulting has the insight to get it right. Visit sfcconsultingservices.com for more information.